That was nice. I, uh, yeah, I always wanted to be part of a choir. Like, I'm going back to, like, fifth grade. Like, maybe that was the last time I sang in a group, like, intentionally. And it's just nice when the voices are around you. I kind of remember liking that. So, I don't know. I, I may talk to them after. We'll see what we can do. So, um, we're continuing in our message series today called Winning Together. And that song, uh, line in that song reminded me of uh, when God rescued me. Like, there was a, there's a rescue story there. And as I was looking at those lyrics this week, I thought about this memory I have of uh, when we lived in Washington. Um, our youngest, Matthew, he was probably about one years old. And uh, he was uh, upset. He needed to be comforted probably in the evening. And so I went in the room. Um, you know, sometimes Becky would let me go first, you know, give me a try. She'd usually have to back me up and really bring the comfort. But, you know, she's like, go, go ahead, go in there. And uh, so I'm holding Matthew, and I remember this. He's about this big. Now he's, you know, I can't hold him anymore. But I'm holding him, and I'm singing uh, Amazing Grace. I don't know many songs by heart, so I was singing that. And I was thinking of the words, and uh, as I'm praying, just kind of singing, I'm reminded these images come to mind of me, like, from my past, like some hard times, some tough times, some low points, and God's amazing grace of having me in that place. I, I just was started to be overwhelmed with gratitude, like God had brought me out of some hard things, some tough places, and there I was holding this little guy, and uh, he's the he uh, did for me. And this is what God does. That's what God is doing. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is rescuing this fallen, messed up place. When the time was right, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, the Son, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is where it started. And when Jesus was about 30 years old, Mark 1, 9 tells us this. This is in your bulletin. It's on the slides uh, for those who are online as well. Mark 1, 9 says he came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. All right, 30 years old, it's time for him to go public. It's time for this, to think, this thing to launch. Verse, nine, verse 10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven that said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This encounter, we got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in this moment. This is Jesus' official commissioning. The promised one, the Messiah has come. Messiah means anointed one. means you are smeared with oil. You're set apart for service, for special service to God. And before Jesus, priests and kings were anointed with oil to mark them out for service to God. And in this commissioning service, Jesus is not anointed with oil, but anointed with the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, sent out in power to begin this rescue job. And then Jesus goes from there and he begins to proclaim a message. This is how he's doing it. This is how he's going to rescue his world, to set it right again. He goes out proclaiming the word, uh, and we see this in uh, verse 14. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. That's up north 
proclaiming the good news of God. So the time has come. The kingdom of God is, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In and through Jesus, God's kingdom has come near. It's at hand. It's broken into this fallen world in and through Jesus. And then for three and a half years, Jesus traveled through Israel proclaiming the presence, the power of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. He did this with words, teaching about the kingdom. That was his favorite topic. He's always teaching about the kingdom, how to come in, uh, what it's like, how to live in it once you get part of it. And he did it with action. He also demonstrated the presence of God's kingdom, his rule and reign over sickness. He healed people. He raised the dead. He proclaimed forgiveness of sins. He banished evil spirits. He was setting things right. We're going to look at an example of this, get a close-up of it. Um, During the first year of his ministry, we have this encounter, Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, uh, the people heard that he had come. All right, so he had a reputation by this point. People have seen him uh, do the amazing. People have seen God working through him. They, they hear him teach with authority. They hear him uh, heal and do these, these works that only God can do. So people have heard of him. He's got a reputation already. And he's come home. So Capernaum has become his home base. And uh, they gathered. When, he, when they heard he had come home, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Picture it. This place is packed out. You can't even get to the door. And what's he doing? He's preaching the word to them. He's preaching the word to them. Okay, Capernaum, just a little background there. It's a center of trade and commerce. All these people come in and out through there. Uh, so it's a great place for him to establish home base. He's trying to get the word out about the kingdom. It's next to the Sea of Galilee. You can actually go there. And if you go there, there's remains of the synagogue where he preached and where he uh, sent some demons out of a guy. Um, so he, they had a synagogue. It's a big enough place to have a synagogue. Uh, Peter's home was just a short walk from the synagogue. You can actually go there as well. And uh, after the excitement of that encounter uh, with the demonic in the synagogue, he went to his mother-in-law's home, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, and uh, healed her mother, his mother-in-law. So, there's, so he's known there, uh, and he has a reputation there. He's back, and they're going there, and he's preaching the word of God. So that's back then. How does that connect today? How do we go where Jesus is speaking and preaching his word? Where is Jesus preaching and teaching his word today? Was that just back then? Yeah, right here and now. Like, we have God's word. Jesus' word has been preserved for us by the eyewitnesses. They were there. They heard him speak and teach. And so we, we have those words. And so we gather to Jesus to hear not from some guy reading scripture, but really to hear from God. That's why we're here. We want to hear him speak through his word. All right. Back to Capernaum now. The crowd is there. No room. Doors blocked because all the people are crowding around. And if you just walked up, maybe you were a little bit late to the party. You couldn't get there. Like maybe you could hear Jesus. If everybody would just be quiet, you can hear Jesus just a little bit inside talking and teaching about the kingdom. So that, that's going on, big crowd, and then this happens. Verse 3, some men came bringing 
to him, to Jesus, bringing to him a paralyzed man. So we don't know how far they walked to get there, but they're there with their paralyzed friend. They're carrying him on this mat. Okay, so he's carrying them, and then they're carrying him. And then since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, right, they can't get through, especially four of them with this guy. How are they going to get through to him? So what they did is they made an opening. They climbed up the side steps to the flat roof. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. They can hear him. He's down there. Okay, we've got to get our friend to him. We're going to dig through these tiles and through these, these reeds, and we're going to get our friend to Jesus. It's crazy, right? All right, they dug through it. They lowered the mat. The man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, and we're going to pause there. Jesus saw their faith in this. Four guys get there. Picture this. They've come a long time. They've worked hard to get their friend to Jesus, and there's an obstacle in the way. They can't get to him. The crowd's in the way. The door is blocked. So what do they do? Are they polite? They're like, well, we tried, you know. Um, maybe we should go home, try them another time. Do they, do they wait patiently till it's their turn, you know, politely outside? No. They, they, they show some obnoxiousness here, right? They, they go onto this flat roof, and they tear up the roof to get their friend to Jesus. Their efforts, how would you describe them? Aggressive, right? Rude. Now, if you're in the crowd and you came a long way to see Jesus also, who are these guys? Wait, what, what do you think you're doing? You know, we're here too. He's interrupting the thing, right? These guys are interrupting what Jesus is saying. I, I might, there's a few people in the crowd that are annoyed, I'm sure. If you own the house, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? I'm mad. Dude, what are you doing? Wait your turn. That's crazy. Stop. You're tearing up my house. This is what they see. This is what the crowd sees. But what does Jesus see? Jesus sees their faith, their faith, their belief in him. That's what Jesus sees. He doesn't correct them. He doesn't say, wait your turn. He doesn't say, back of the line. Their faith. That's a big deal to Jesus. Jesus likes when he sees faith. Sometimes he's amazed by people's faith. Sometimes he's discouraged by the lack of faith. Here, he saw their faith, their belief. Their belief in what? what? Let's unpack that. Their faith, their belief, that same word means what? Belief in what? Belief in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, that Jesus can help, right? That, that if I get to Jesus, if we get our friend to Jesus, he's going to do something. He can where nobody else could. He can help where nobody else could. They believe in Jesus' goodness, his greatness of power, at least enough to push through the crowd and to break all social conventions and to be, you know, to annoy people. They push through the annoying looks, you know, the whispering, what are these guys doing? They don't let any of that stop them. Their belief and their faith in Jesus is seen in their actions. It's apparent by what they do. This is your next villain. Jesus saw their faith. What does faith mean? It means belief, at least this belief 
that Jesus is what I need. If you're the paralytic, we don't know if the paralytic, like it was his idea, hey, you got to get me to Jesus. Or we don't know if it's the friend's ideas, hey, you know, there's this guy, Jesus, we got to get you to him. Either way, they get to Jesus. Jesus is what I need. Jesus is what you need. Jesus is what our friends need. Now let's connect this to today. What in your life, what in your life, as you go through your week, it's kind of a repeated thing, what has you paralyzed? What paralyzes you? What paralyzes you? What are your life are you stuck, unable? Seems overwhelming, and you, you can't seem to change it. What broken pattern are you in? Do you keep falling in? You know, I've tried. I'm weary from trying. I keep trying. I keep falling back. I, I'm just unable. In what area of your life have you reached your limits? And God will let you do that. God will let you hit your limit because that's when you're ready to turn to God and really be remade. We're all paralyzed in some way, paralyzed by pride, by perfectionism, by being criticized, ridiculed, paralyzed by the fear of being found out, fear of disappointing others, paralyzed by past failures, missed chances, a bad track record, stuck because of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of things you can't control, fear of what lies ahead. Am I ready? Can I handle it? Probably not. Probably not. You're going to reach a limit, man. We're finite. We're limited. Some of us are paralyzed because we've been hurt. We've been mistreated. We've been betrayed. Some of us are stuck in that. Nobody, nobody, I've talked to people, high-born, low-born, high-status, low-status, wealthy, poor. I've, I've met a lot of people being in ministry for a long time. Nobody is untouched by the fall. Nobody's untouched by this stuff. We're all paralyzed. We're all stuck in different places. All right? Stuck in things that are not easily fixed. Stuck in ways that only God can unstuck. Let's learn from the paralyzed guy. Okay? What do you do? What do you do when you can't move? It may happen this week. Maybe you're in a meeting and it's way over your head. And you know you're, you're way over your skis. You just, you know, whatever that time is this week, let's learn from the paralyzed guy and his friends. When you can't move, when you're stuck, go where? Go to Jesus, man. Go to Jesus. And don't let anything get in your way. Because something will come in your way. It might just be laziness. It might be, oh, some other pressing need. I need Jesus. Again, Jesus was not annoyed by their audacity, their pushiness, their rudeness. They were, he was not bothered by them. You'll never see a situation where Jesus was bothered by anybody pressing into him. He is waiting for it. And when you press in, he sees your faith. And when he sees faith, small as a mustard seed, then he can do his work. Then you've opened the door to him to do what you could never do for yourself. Nobody could do for you. All right, next fill in. Let's remember this because it's going to happen this week. You'll be going through your routine, your old patterns. You're going to get stuck. 
when you get stuck, try something different. Right away, go to Jesus. Don't stay stuck. Go to Jesus. All right. Back to Capernaum. Their faith, their belief that Jesus is what they need gets them to Jesus, gets them in front of Jesus despite the obstacles, despite the crowd, etc., despite the dirty look. They get their friend to Jesus. Then what? Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, again, then the doors open. He did something. He said, he speaks. Remember who's speaking now? This is the word of God become flesh. The word of God. Remember, what did God do in the beginning when there was just emptiness and void and, and formlessness? God spoke his word and created. The spirit was hovering. God the Father spoke the word of God, and it came into being what was nothing before. All right, that's who we're talking about. That's who's speaking here. So what's Jesus going to say? What's Jesus going to put out here? He says to the paralyzed man, picture, he says to this guy, son, your sins are forgiven. If you read that the first time, the first time you read that, you're like, wait a minute, what? Because you expect him to say something else, right? What do you expect him to say? Get up. Yeah, you are healed. Come on. Right? He doesn't. Instead, he does something more life-changing. They get their friend, the paralytic there, to, to enable him to walk. Right? That's the problem, right? That's where he's stuck. No, Jesus goes deeper. Jesus goes under that. Jesus goes under that. He says, Son, literally child, child, like the, the term of endearment that a loving parent would say to their child. Son, child, my son, my daughter, my child, listen to this. Your sins are forgiven. Before Jesus raised him physically, he's going to raise him up spiritually. Son, he's bestowing on the paralytic, a new identity. Child, beloved child, son, daughter of God. And think of this guy. You're paralyzed in the first century. You're paralyzed now, man. Imagine the, the messages, the things you pick. Man, I'm just a burden. I'm just a disappointment. I, you know, these guys had to carry me all the way. You know, unable. I'm a hassle. I'm difficult. I'm helpless. Right? If you're paralyzed, you're thinking these things. These labels, these messages have been attached on you. Jesus doesn't see that. Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw the potential for this paralytic to become someone new. To become a son, a daughter of God. New identity. New identity. Son, your sins are forgiven. In other words, you are accepted. The, the, the sin that separated you from me from God, I'm pushing that out of the way. You're released from that now. Son, you are forgiven. You are accepted. Accepted by whom? By the crowd? No, they're still annoyed. By the owner of the house? No. By Jesus. By God. 
That changes everything. Hold on. Come on. Son, your sins are forgiven. Daughter, your sins are forgiven. God is accepting you into his household, into his family, into his kingdom. And nothing can separate you from that. He's bestowed upon you something completely new. Jesus came to heal us, not just on the outside, just not our circumstances. As hard as they are, man, paralyzed in the first century, that's difficult. But he came to transform us and renew us for eternity inside out. And it starts here. Starts here for us. Starts here with that guy. Starts here with us. Next villain. Let Jesus, let Jesus, let God define your identity and status. Let him define it. Let his word define your identity, who you are, and your value is attached to that, and your status. Get your identity and, and status from Jesus. Because if you don't, the alternative is that you will work and strive and bleed and push and fail and get frustrated trying to get your identity and status from others who are broken and don't have much to offer as well and who might try to keep you down just to make them feel better. You'll let others measure you, label you, judge you, whatever that label that's been attached to you from others. Whatever that label that you've attached to yourself, you got to discard that. You got to throw that away. You got to push that aside. You got to unstick it, take it off. And hear God's word, his transforming, life giving word. You are my son. You are my daughter. You're my child. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're mine. Letting others label you. Whatever that old message is, that's losing. Winning is letting God, letting the, the maker of heaven and earth define your identity and status. Solid rock, word from God, you're a child of God now. You're forgiven. I know, I saw it. You really blew it there. Or, you know, you were really mistreated there. That was awful. Yes, but you're my child. You're forgiven. You're released. You're cleansed. You're made new. You're justified. I put you in right standing with God forever. You are in right standing with God forever. Not because you were great, but because he's great. Because of what he did for you. And if you forget it, if you question it, if you doubt it, remember the cross. In, in, in time and space, he gave us a his concrete historical marker that says, you are my child, I love you, I paid for you, you are mine. Don't forget that. Stand in it. Let God define you. When you hear other messages, be aware how they're shaping you for me. Be aware of them. Catch them. And bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, is this true? I feel like a disappointment. I feel stupid. I feel like, ah, I feel like just, man, it's such a disappointment. Whatever that thing is, you bring that to Jesus. Say, Jesus, what do you say? I want to hear from you. And then hear what he says, receive it, and stand on it. And hold on tightly to what Jesus has said. What he says to you, hold on to it tightly because 
it will quickly be opposed. Right? There'll be another voice falling right behind, trying to snatch that away, question it, undermine it. Classic. All right, watch this. It happened back then. Okay, son, your sins are forgiven. Massive, amazing God moment right there. Right on the heels of it, verse 6. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, just sitting there, watching, observing, ready to pounce. They're thinking to themselves, why does this fellow, why does Jesus talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? All right, unlike the four guys and the paralytic, the religious people largely did not believe Jesus. They don't trust him. They haven't put their faith in him. Instead, they're judging him. They're tearing up that word. They're the critics. You know those people in your life? You know that voice in your life? We see this again and again in Jesus' ministry and in church history, and you've probably seen it in your own life. Next, fill in. Be alert, because God's word and his works are opposed. We're not living in neutral ground. This is enemy-occupied territory that we're in. When God came in the flesh, he came into enemy-occupied territory where the enemy's done a lot of damage, where humanity, fallen from God in rebellion to him, has done a lot of damage. God comes into that to set things right. So when he speaks his word of life to you, just be alert. God's going to oppose it. Be aware of that other voice that will follow in. All right, Jesus continues. He asks them a question, the, the critics. And, you know, the crowd, he says, which is easier? Okay, which is, which is easier here? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that, right? I could say that. doesn't mean they're forg he's forgiven. Right? Only God can forgive sins. Okay, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? I mean, the guy better get up if he's God, if Jesus is God. Jesus continues asking that question. So, verse 10, I want you to know, I want you Teachers of the law, Pharisees, crowd, I want you all to know, Jesus says, that the Son of Man, that's his way of referencing himself, has authority, has divine authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up. People are... He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. They're all like parting away. He's walking out. This amazed everyone. They praised God. Yes, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What's going on? What's happening? Is, is, this, is it God? It's God. God's with us. They're astonished. It's amazing. Okay, what do we take away? There's three things we can take away from this. Now, you, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are forgiven fully, completely, because of what Jesus did for you. He paid it in full. Don't try to pay it yourself. 
that your credit's no good. He paid it in full. All right, be released, sons and daughters. And number one, stand up and walk in your new identity and status. Stand up and walk in that. Live in that. Stand in that. Wherever you go, whatever comes, whatever message you hear, whatever attack you come under, whatever hardship, whatever frustrating situation you are in, in that moment, stand up and remember who you are. Remember who God has said you are, what God has made you, paid a high price to make you. Don't devalue it by forgetting about it, by, you know, yes, thank you, and then walking in the old. Stand up and walk in your new identity and status. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. Forgiven, fully accepted by God. In his grace, under his favor. I'm free. You know, what can man do to me? What can separate me from that? What can separate you from your identity as son or daughter of God? Nothing you do. No failure. No success, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Bad quarter at work, angry client, um, another no, past hardship. No, those don't define me anymore. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a child of God. Stand up and walk in your new identity and status. Don't let anything push you off of that. Everything else is, is sinking sand. Stand on that. Live in that. Fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. It'll be opposed. You'll get other messages. That takes us to number two. Keep going to Jesus. Keep going to Jesus. It's not a one-time thing. You've got to keep going to Jesus. He's not in Capernaum right now, although if you go there, he can be there. <laughs> Where is he? He's with his people. He's with you and me. He's, he's present wherever two or more gather in his name. There, he, there I am with you, he says. Whenever we pray, whenever we go into God's word, he is present. Get to Jesus. If you're struggling, if you can't get there, you're laid out flat on the mat, tell your friends, get me to Jesus. I'm annoyed. I'm burdened. I'm tempted. I'm vulnerable. I'm weary. Get me to Jesus. Send out the SOS. Help. Keep going to Jesus. Whatever it takes, don't let anything get in the way of that. And then number three, bring each other to Jesus. Be like the four. Bring your brothers and sisters who are, you, you're wondering about them. They've kind of, where did they go? I haven't heard from them in a while. Bring them to Jesus. Reach out. Remember, enemy-occupied territory. This is a tough place still. All right, we'll get to the other side. We're not there yet. Bring each other to Jesus and bring others to Jesus, man. We got good news, right? We found him. Here he is. He's come. And he's got life for those beyond us as well. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite a couple uh, people from Team Challenge to share their stories. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for... Uh, the work you've done, you've done it already, Lord. Help us stand it, stand in it, stand up in it, walk in it, Lord God. Help us not let anybody rob, steal, or thieve us, Lord God. 
Help us live in this freedom that you've earned for us, this new identity that you have for us, this power, this place, this grace that you've given us, Lord. And Lord, give us opportunity this week to bring others to you as well. Use us, Jesus. Use us, Lord. Use your sons and daughters to advance this good work you're doing in the world. Amen. All right, time for a couple testimonies, and we're going to finish with a song. You can use this mic uh, for the testimonies.